you know, some of the systems that we use require deep trust. Uh, why? Because we need to walk into a space and say, you need to believe that there are opportunities here that we've all fallen asleep on or that you've fallen asleep on and that we're going to find those opportunities. Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, the podcast that brings you practical advice, lessons, and stories from senior leaders and thought leaders from around the world. The Strategy and Leadership Podcast is brought to you by SME Strategy, working with organizations around the world to create and implement their strategic plans. To learn more, visit smestrategy.net. And now, your host, Anthony Taylor. Hey there, folks. Welcome to today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. My guest today is Jay Busada, who is the CEO and founder at ThrillWorks. Jay, what's happening today? Hey, thanks very much for having us on the show today, Anthony. It's my pleasure. Uh, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are, what you do, what ThrillWorks is, and we'll go from there. Sure. Um, I'm the founder and CEO of ThrillWorks. We're a digital acceleration partner. Um, we can get into some more of that in a little bit, but just for some history on me, raised in an entrepreneurial family uh, many decades ago, that led me to you know following a career in solving problems and, and trying to create interesting things. I ended up pursuing a career as an engineer, uh, not surprisingly, because you know their, their goal is to solve problems. While doing that for, for several years, I kept running into problems that other people really kind of seemed to fall asleep on and didn't see a need to solve. And that led me you know, very quickly to end up deciding that I was going to start a company that did just that, spot the problems that other people fall asleep on and go about solving those problems for those people. So that's what we do at ThrillWorks. Cool. And you've been doing that for a couple of years now? About 23. About 23, but who's counting? That's awesome. Exactly. So what's that life been like for you as somebody who is, you know, arguably an unintentional entrepreneur, and now, you know, you've got a pretty significant headcount, especially for a Canadian business. You know, what's that? Tell me about your CEO journey in a snapshot. Sure. Well, I was very fortunate to, um, to start the company off and land a really exciting and large uh, scale client, one that just happened to be immune to the dot-com boom. So it was an energy company. So that, you know, in 2000, when when all the internet businesses kind of went south, we were kind of sheltered from that a little bit, which was great for a brand new entrepreneur. We ended up doing great things with that company and turning that into a series of great things with other you know companies. Like every business owner, there's a healthy dose of good timing and luck with good decisions. And we've had our fair share of that. So over the past 23 years, um, had a lot of good fortune, made a lot of good decisions and some really bad decisions. But around 2017, it was a real defining moment for us, 2017, 2018, when we got to this point where I realized that you know, we started just rerunning the exact same play for our customers. We'd kind of lost our way. The business, as I mentioned earlier, was designed to spot problems and, and solve those problems or capitalize on those opportunities that other people just weren't seeing in their world anymore. And we stopped doing that. So I had a bit of a crisis of conscience as the CEO and decided that the best thing for the company was to take us back to our founding principles. And for the past six years, that's what we've been about doing. Uh, how did you know that you guys had gotten kind of, I don't want to call it a rut, but how you kind of got on, on autopilot? Did you take some time away? Was it because of the market? You know, what kind of spurred that reflection? I came into the office one day and just realized I, I didn't enjoy being there and decided I was going to take the day off. 
And I went and sat in the park, literally, and I started asking myself, why the hell don't I enjoy what I do? Like, I started this company. I get to make it anything that I want. What is it that I, I couldn't love about this? And then I started realizing that the work that we were doing really wasn't helping people spot those opportunities in their world anymore. We had figured out like a very simplistic formula for spotting opportunities. And that really, you know, without making too big a deal out of it, it was like a lot of companies really weren't capitalizing on everything that they could with using the internet, you know, to further their reach and connect more authentically with their customers. And so it was relatively easy to help customers tackle the beginnings of that problem. But I wanted to go a whole lot further and we were, we just weren't doing that anymore. So the first 12 years of the business, we were really turning things upside down for some of our customers and creating a real difference. And then I think from, you know, those awkward teenage years from 2012 to 2017, we just kind of set it and forget it. And uh, that really made me restless. And it was that restless feeling that was gnawing at me that day. And so I came back in and I started talking to the leadership team I had in place at that time. And I got a lot of blank stares. And so I pursued having that conversation a little bit with them. And the more I talked about it, the more blank stares I got. And I thought, like, no wonder why we are now in this rut, because like we have a team of people who've forgotten what we're trying to do here. All very talented, all very well intended. So we went about, you know, rebooting the company and taking us back to our values that that founded the place. And I'm happy to say it was, you know, really successful. COVID was a huge awakening moment that kind of like will tie into some of the things I think we'll be talking about, which, you know, we call expiry dates. But it was an expiry date moment for us at that point where it's like, do we like what we're doing anymore? And if not, like, do we want to keep doing it or like, should we go do something else? Mm. And and just to give me an understanding of like size and scale at 2017, were you the same size you are now or, or did that 2017 kind of reflection spur a bunch of growth? Like what was the kind of like numbers that you all were at, at sure. during that stale time or, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. We were, um, I think either 40 or 45 people um, and now we're about 70, 75 people. So we were a little bit smaller than we are now working on the same style of like same type of clients, you know, clients that have large scale opportunities sitting right under their nose that, you know, oftentimes go unnoticed. So, you know, we were still exposed to the same opportunities. We just weren't, you know, the company that I founded us to be. So it was less about size for us. Great question. But it, and it was more about just keeping top of mind what the heck we designed the company to do. Yeah. Well, the reason I ask is because, you know, when you go through those inflection moments, they typically like it's like a catalyst. We talk a lot about organizational transformation, which actually, as you do as well, and saying, hey, you know, the reflection of do I have the right people, do I have the right systems and people driving my company and, you know, like doubling over six years after being at a certain point for you know, 16 or whatever, can't do math right now. Like it's a, it's a significant jump. So if you're open to sharing it, like what were those conversations that you had? Obviously there was the reflections and the blank stares, you know, what did you need to do to like, you know, bring that honesty, clarity to the team. And then, you know, I imagine some of them didn't stick around and maybe some of them got on board. Like you, you, you mind opening up the curtains for us as long as it's not too, you know, privileged. Absolutely. Uh, And that's a fantastic question. The first thing I did was go do some work on myself. I went and found uh, a business coach, specifically a leadership coach. I belong to a business organization called the Entrepreneurs Organization, 
where you get to meet on a regular cadence with other business owners. And through that organization, I met a, a leadership coach. So I pursued hiring that coach and started doing work on myself for a year while starting to talk to my leadership team about some of the changes that I wanted to make. And what I quickly realized is, you know, some of the people that we had working with us loved exactly the kinds of things that we were doing. And when I painted a vision for like where I wanted to take the company, you know, it became obvious to certain parties that they weren't right for Thrillworks and Thrillworks wasn't right for them. So we parted amicably. You know, I'm sad to say that there was a lot of very talented people that decided that, you know, they needed to go in a different direction. So they ended up leaving the organization. We still have, you know, quite a few people here from that from that original group. But um, inevitably, if we had the team that was willing to do what we were talking about, turning the company back to doing, we wouldn't have been the company that we were in 2017. So inevitably, you know, making a big change like the one that we did caused a lot of attrition, but it was very positive. I think most people kind of appreciated how we did it. And, uh, and I know that we still retained a lot of those friendships from, from the uh, staff that we had at the time, but largely speaking, it starts with the top of the organization. Just get clear on what you're trying to do. Be open and honest on what you're trying to do. And if it's not right for people, you'll find a way to, you know, offboard them or they can leave on the best possible terms. And then you can find the people that do want to get to, you know, the same goals that you do. Hey, Anthony here. One of the things I don't talk too much about on the podcast is what we do at SME Strategy. So I wanted to let you know that if you and your team are thinking about getting together you know, this winter or even in the new year for strategic planning, that we'd be happy to have a conversation to see how we might be able to help your team walk through the strategic planning process and make sure that your people, your strategy, your culture are on the same page. One of the most exciting parts about the work that we do is being able to lead people through a proven process to help them get to where they want to go. If you're interested about that process, our video about it on YouTube just hit over a million views. So be sure to check that out. Let us know what you think. Uh, but most importantly, I wanted to let you know that if you are looking for somebody to partner with your team to support everybody in getting aligned, moving forward towards a clear set of goals and objectives, and really making sure that you have the foundations for that next stage of growth, that we can partner with you to do that whether that's through an offsite strategic planning session or, you know, follow-up support services to keep you accountable, to help your team grow and develop, or really to lead a full transformation. So if you're interested, check out smestrategy.net. You can check out our about page, our services page. It'll tell you more about how we do things. And I'd be happy to have a conversation with you to see if we're a good fit to help. Thanks so much. I appreciate you listening to the podcast. And now let's get back into the episode. Yeah. Right. Interesting. I mean, you use the word attrition. And so I, I think of that for yourself. You realize, hey, you know, I you could have gone in and say, this is all your fault, everybody. But really taking that reflection to say, wait, this is all my fault, which I'm paraphrasing. You probably said, say, hey, like I need to reflect on myself. Like, what do I need to cut out attrition to support myself? How do I surround myself with greater capacity mentally? Because of the, I, I had been doing the same things the same ways. We got to where we are. So I need to do things differently, getting a good partner to do that. And then obviously, you know, spurred that change. Once you had a new commitment in mind, um, it was able to tell people to say, hey, you know, some people wanted to stay. They liked that new future. Some people didn't want to go to that new future. And uh, it's really awesome that you've been able to adapt through that because I'm sure you see people 
even maybe some of your clients who don't adapt to those new things. And then, you know, they have problems coming out of there. Uh, thoughts or reflections on that? Uh, you are right on the money. I think the expression that we use around through all works is that consciousness comes from the top. Right. So, you know, our team needs to know what we think and we need to be clear about what we think so that they can choose to opt into that and help us get to our goals as long as it's helping them get to their goals, too. I mean, everybody that that, you know, works somewhere has goals of their own. So the more clear we can be, the better chance that we have at finding goal matches. And once you have a goal match and talented people, you can't help but get to your goals. But that's where it has to start. And um, I did come in and talk a lot about, hey, I need to apologize to a bunch of people for having lost the plot around here. It's my job as CEO to make sure that we are all clear on what we're trying to do. And I kind of set it and forget it. And so to, to the point that I was making earlier, we coined the term just so we would have a headline to throw around a little bit and remind us what we were trying to do with this, you know, company. We coined the term expiry dates. And, you know, if, if you'll give me a little run, runway, I'll give you an example. And it's a silly example, really like simple, simple one. You know, if milk didn't have an expiry date, you know, you might put it in your fridge and every once in a while you have a sip of it, but it's sitting there using up space. It's sitting there using up energy for your fridge to try to keep it cold. And like when you finish it, you have to actually decide, do I want to buy milk again? Do I drink milk often enough? But what if you don't finish it? It just sits there using up space and energy. So our expiry date concept says when it expires, you're forced to ask yourself a question. Do I like milk enough to actually go buy more? So let's apply that, you know, on a grander scale and something that we all just lived through. COVID was an external expiry date imposed on all of us. COVID basically said, like it or not, the way you've done business in the past is over. You need to rethink how you do business. And a lot of people that said, oh, I could never do business virtually, or I could never do business if I don't get to do it like, you know, one person to another, that would never work for me. Well, COVID proved this all wrong. So we can't wait around for crises like that to happen. That's not healthy. Those external forcing functions that show up in our life and make us make changes can sometimes be seen as a gift for us to like get unstuck from seeing the world in just one way or finding a solution to a problem and just rerunning that same solution. We don't want to be that. Hmm. We actually like impose what we call expiry dates so that every three months in our case, we will expire things like a reoccurring meeting and say, do we still need this meeting? And if we say, yes, we still need this meeting. How do we know? What value is this meeting creating that would justify keeping this meeting on the books for another three months? And so you can apply this everywhere from your personal life to your business life to, you know, your community to revisit decisions that were right for a time. But everything has a lifespan. And that lifespan is successful if the choices that you make match the conditions that you're living in. But as things evolve, those conditions change. And so your choices will inevitably fall out of sync with the conditions. So we believe that expiry dates really helps you kind of like keep up, keep your solution in lockstep with whatever the conditions happen to be. So I've said a lot. I'm not sure if, if that's making sense. I'd love some feedback on that. Uh, it makes tons of sense. I mean, I, I ran into a, uh, it was a client or somebody that was on a board that said them and them, their spouse had uh, five-year contracts on their relationship. And it's kind of the idea to say, hey, when we go through it, we got to like renew the contract because otherwise, you know, do we like what we're doing? The, the I've seen the inverse in terms of like, hey, we didn't do this before. Well, maybe it makes sense to do it now. 
But, you know, to your point, the, the meetings, the processes, the systems, the structures is saying, hey, are they serving us? And I think that's one of the things um, in life as an individual where you can make the real breakthrough progress is where you reflect on certain things that you've done and say, is it serving you? And as you raise your standards. So from a company perspective saying, hey, is there stuff that we shouldn't be doing anymore? And do we need the world to shut down before we reflect and, and adapt on some of those things. So I think, um, again, like going back to consultants, having somebody like you come in and reflect on those for other people, I think is really valuable because sometimes you know it, you just need a little nudge. And, you know, it sounds like you have put those systems in place. You mentioned, you know, jumping on problems that people are sleeping on. And I see the parallel between those two things really well. Uh, without giving away your secret sauce, would you mind sharing, you know, a bit of the methodology approach that you you bring to your clients and for them to reflect like, hey, maybe Thrillworks is a company that I want to partner with in the future, or at least they can take something and implement it on their own? Yep. It starts with a mindset match. So we need to find customers and, and we're fortunate to, you know, not lack, there's an abundance of these customers out there that actually will allow us to partner with them successfully because, you know, some of the systems that we use require deep trust. Uh, why? Because we need to walk into a space and say, you need to believe that there are opportunities here that we've all fallen asleep on or that you've fallen asleep on and that we're going to find those opportunities. And we need not worry about what those opportunities are when we find them. Meaning if it's going to change a significant system inside the business, it's okay if you're scared to look at that, but let's give ourselves the courage to at least pursue whether or not that opportunity is worth disrupting your business for. But if we have a poor match, if, if we try to enter a relationship with one of our customers where they're like, yeah, yeah, find those opportunities, but at the same time, like don't change anything around here because we like it the way it is because I understand how things work around here, then our work can't be successful. And all we do is annoy our customer by saying like, here's another opportunity. If we can change this, like you can make a big difference. One of the best stories I can, I could tell you countless stories about Thrillworks, but one of the popular ones I know that's already out in the public domain is I think it was Nike that had a factory, you know, overseas and they had a problem with the toxicity of the glue that they were using for binding the shoe to the rubber. Try as they might, you know, they had a hard time getting their workforce to keep the masks on that kept them safe from the glue. So people kept getting sick because they take the masks off and then they had a workforce problem. So they kept trying to put training programs in place over and over because that was their solution. Give people better training on the, how to use the masks or why to use the masks and, you know, you you can avoid this problem. It took a brand new person to walk in there and look at the problem entirely differently to come in and say, why don't we just use a glue that doesn't have a toxicity effect to it? That Boom. was my first problem thought. solved. Right. And that was the solution. Right. But the business who hears that suggestion needs to be open to like putting its pride aside and say, that is a great damn solution to a problem that we were actually trying to solve with an old solution. Cause at one point in time, it made sense when that alternative binding product didn't exist without the toxicity, they came up with the next best thing, mm. put a mask on and deal with the toxicity. Well, life moved on, new products hit the market, 
They kept rerunning the same play and they kept having the same workforce problems. So that's what that's the kind of thing that we do when we come in here. Find a match, a mindset match with our customer. So we screen our customers as much as we ask them to screen us. Once we're sure that that's a good match, then we go in there and we establish you know, a common belief system that there are opportunities. We just haven't spotted them yet. And when we go on the hunt, the next big thing that we tell them is whatever opportunities we find, let's assume that they're a symptom of an even bigger problem. So let's not just find the first problem and jump on it, tackle it, and then expect big change because not everything is going to be like the glue situation where it radically overhauls things. And so it creates this ongoing of find the problem, look for the bigger, like, you know, root cause, solve the root cause, and, you know, you're much better off. And then iterate, iterate, iterate. And our customers, you know, if we do this right, become quite fanatical about this because they do a better job serving their customers. They likely save a lot of money. They become more efficient and they have a partner that they can trust in. I will use the opportunity to pull out a metaphor for those listeners who are dealing with uh, troubled employees and you haven't solved it in the past. You don't need to deal with that toxicity forever. Just look at a different lens to find the solution. And, and I see that all the time where people are like, hey, I have you know this problem and they just ac- accept it. And I think, Jay, to your point, it's like, you know, what you accept persists in a lot of ways, but you have to like continually look at the lens from which you're approaching the problem and say, hey, is this solvable? As a facilitator of strategic planning, it's nice because once every three years or so, teams can come through and say, hey, you know, what is the new, what are the newest, biggest problems that we need to solve as a team? Jay, just as we finish up here, um, do you want to, do you want to add something to that before I move on? I do. The objection that we usually hear to this is like, you know, what about reinventing the wheel? That seems like a waste of company resources or we could end up there. I think really smart, well-intended people can avoid doing that by asking themselves, say, for example, let's use the, the reoccurring meeting example. When the time comes to say, do we find value in this meeting? You don't have to reinvent it if the answer is yes. We all get more clear based on this meeting. We all leave and become more effective as a result of this meeting. Let's top it back up for another three months and ask the question then again to see if we're still getting value. So it's okay to answer, yes, we are getting value. We don't have to change anything. The important part is asking the question. So you can avoid recreating the wheel. This is not advocating for that. Yeah, I got that. So uh, as we finish up, tell our listeners where they can connect with you, where they can learn more about you, and what is a practice that you have put in place that has an expiry date that you are uh, approaching soon, if there is one, which I imagine there would be. Sure. Uh, So we would love to hear from you guys uh, listening at thrillworks.com. So it's thrillworks, all one word, dot com. You can find out more about us there and contact us through that. And we'd love to hear from you. And one practice, I mean, we live at the, the meeting example is near and dear to my heart. So we have a quarterly offsite with our senior leadership team where we sit down and expire choices that we make and decide which ones are still relevant because our industry changes so quickly. And we decide, okay, if we're keeping some stuff, do we still like the roadmap we've created? And if we don't like anything that's on that list because it's not serving us, do we substitute it or just focus more attention on the other items on that list? Every four months, religiously, we get out of the office and go do that. You've heard about it being done before, and there's a really good reason for it. Um, so we would encourage everybody to take the, that, you know, every three months, get out of the office four times a year. Awesome. Jay, I appreciate that. Thanks for making the time to chat with me today. Thanks for sharing that like golden tip about expiration dates. And I wish you nothing but the best as you move forward with the next, you know, 26 odd years of Thrillworks. 
It's been a real pleasure. Thanks for having us today. Folks, this has been Jay Busada, who is the founder and CEO of Thrillworks. One of the things I encourage you to do, especially as you know, we'll get into the new year, is don't get lulled to sleep by your choices. Really reflect and say, hey, is this serving me? Um, I think the if you're a continuous growth kind of person, being able to adapt something like that with rigidity, which means you need an expiration date, not a best before date, then you'll really make the best of your choices and, and continually evolve into what's next. So I appreciate you watching. I appreciate you listening. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't. This has been the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. My name is Anthony Taylor. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. We post twice a week, so you can count on us for your weekly source of content to help you grow and expand as a leader. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider giving us a review. We read every single one, and it helps us make a better show for you, the listener. Also, it helps more people find the show, which means we can help as many people as possible. We appreciate you listening and following along, and we hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. And as Anthony says, until next time.